0: Everybody doing today? How many guys drove more than 10 miles to get here today by faith and not by sight? Good. That's awesome. I, I, I'm really shocked. I, I'll be honest with you. I was uh, driving to kind of have my morning devotions, so I was turning left to go towards Tim Hortons and, uh, and noticed that the gym parking lot was full. And I thought, you know, God, if, if people are more dedicated to uh, their flab than they are to their soul... I will be so discouraged today. And I just was honest with God, God said, hey, don't do that. I, I know, I know, I, okay. You know, and then to see you guys here, it's like, yes, you know, you guys are not in the gym. <laughs> we're together talking about the future. Um, today really wraps up kind of a three-parter, uh, getting ready for next week and then the week after. But we are so, 2020 is like nothing else that I've ever seen before. This is our, our uh, we're concluding our 25th year in March. And I have not seen this many new, this many bold, this many faith-filled, this many initiatives. The things that we're, we're considering, the things that we're praying about, the things we're asking God for are like nothing we've done in decades and so that that theme, pioneer again. My son was just up here kind of talking to some people one day. He goes, I just feel like we're pioneering again. It's like you were two the last time we pioneered. How would you know that? But he's absolutely right. We're pioneering again. There's this sense of starting over without ignoring the past. It's not like a revitalization, like there wasn't life. It's just it's almost like God is saying, remember what it was to risk everything. Remember what it was to be bolder than, than your, your past successes. Be, remember what it was to be way in over your head, deeper water than you ever swam in before, shark circling and having a blast doing it. So I'm excited about uh, 2020. I hope you guys are too. Are you guys getting excited about what's happening? I know it's 80 degrees in the room. We're resetting the temperature. How many of you guys are really comfortable right now? You're really, it's, it's, the room's finally the right temperature? Yeah, it needs to be 10 degrees cooler. So And nobody's moving. Are we supposed to be moving? Is it already done? It's already good. Mrs. Mossman's like, no, just keep moving, Pat. You're gonna stay warm. Just keep just keep worshiping Jesus. Pet clap a lot. So one more time, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. If people can't see what God's doing, well, then they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. We're taking three weeks at the beginning of this year just to look at, not just the year, but but really kind of a... Like I said, a pioneering methodology, a new way of doing things. We talked about our, our global outreach and uh, certainly the Penningtons we just prayed for are part of that global family. Uh, I got a couple of cool text messages and emails and stuff. Somebody in Uganda saying, hey, just so you know, we watch you. we watched you today in Uganda. I'm like, Uganda? I couldn't find it on a map. You just know Uganda, is, it's a suburb of Toledo. It's right around, there's a Chick-fil-A, there's a mall that's closing, um, like all of America. So it's, it's crazy. I, I got another one from China. Hey, we watched you guys today in China. It, it's just, it's shocking that what happens amongst friends in this city, in this community, is something that's touching the globe. So we, we talked about local last week and just the beauty, the power, the majesty of what God wants to do in and through a local body and not just a church or a, a cell group or a denomination, but I, I just love that today, as we were walking, <clears throat> praying you know, for people to arrive here safely, I, you know, people are saying, God, and bless the people that are on their way to the rock and on their way to St. John's. and on their, I'm glad that God only has one church. I'm glad that there's people that gather there from have all sorts of different backgrounds, and some doctrines are good, and some probably aren't so good, and some are outright heresy. But how many of you guys know, when we love the body of Christ, it, it, it's a testimony that Jesus is doing something in all of our lives. We don't, we don't have to be right. We just have to be his. And you say, well, I'm right. I'd say, well, you know, prides us sin. So let's talk today about global, local, but then today we're going to talk about next gen. This, this is something... Um, I spoke on last Thursday, Pastor Ian gave me an assignment on, I think it was the 24th or something of this month, uh, on a Monday night, we're supposed to be uh, speaking to the young adults, and this is the assignment, he said, I want you to preach a sermon as if it was the last sermon you would ever preach to uh, young adults, like this is it, when you're done saying this, you have to close your mouth, fold your hands, go to the grave, and I thought, wow, well, that's a, that's a real cheery assignment for a 54-year-old, thank you for that, it's, And then you die. I've died many times in the middle of sermons, but I never thought about what happens if this is my last one. So I I I took that, and let me say, today I I wouldn't preach this to them on on that Monday night. But today would be the last sermon I'd ever preach and be happy about it. Today we're going to talk about the future, not not of buildings, not of strategies, not of funding, not of. We're going to talk about our kids, and I, I believe with all my heart in young people. Somebody say Amen. There's something wonderful about babies. There's something wonderful about 25-year-olds. There's something wonderful about a generation that I'm, I'm no longer a part of. I mean, there's titles now. If you're born from this date to this date, you're this generation, and these are your issues, and everybody hates you. And if you're born between this date and this date, these are your issues, and everybody hates you. How I many of every generation is supposed to hate every generation if you listen to the sociologists? I don't think Jesus hates any of the generations. I think he believes in all of them. And I've seen this, this blessing that comes when one generation looks at the next one and instead of cursing them, blesses them. I've seen it. I've seen it with my eyes. I've seen it in Scripture. I've seen it in history. And so I've purpose. Like I don't know if you know this, but I was a youth pastor for 10 years before we came here, and I have been the youth pastor of this church for 25 years. I'm just undercover. <laughs> I, I put on an old man suit. And the kids call me sir, but I love the youth of this church just like I love the youth of our youth groups 25 years ago. I am the children's pastor of this church. And you say, that's not possible. You, they don't like you. But let me I, I, It's because I'm old and I'm kind of getting crotchety, but I love those kids. I love that we as a church get to look at the generations, yet unborn even, and just say, God, we believe in them. And we want to prepare something so that when they come to this age of accountability, when they're getting their experiences, when they're deciding what they believe, they'll be in a community of faith. And we can say, I, I'm going to decide who I am based on what Scripture says, based on what pastor said, based on youth pastors said, based on mom said, dad said, community said, friends, neighbors, uncles, crazy aunts. I, I, want, I want us to have such a tight grip on encouraging this next generation that when some bully on the playground says you're ugly, they can say, I'm a princess. When someone says, you're, you're a loser, they can say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. We, we need to teach them who they are. It is on us to lead them into environments and experiences that predicate their faith. We cannot give them our faith. Generations have tried. Let me just say this to you. This is not on my notes, but it's important. We cannot give them our faith. They need their own revelation of who Jesus is. And be very careful because your revelation with all the rules that come from your relationship with Jesus can sometimes, a revelation can be turned into nothing less than just regulation. I'm not, I am mean, not. I just remember you couldn't wear shorts unless they were below your knees. You couldn't sit next to a boy unless the Bible fit between you. And if he crossed Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, she was allowed to give him the ax. Remember that one? The, Kids swimming together, well, that was, that was unholy, and this is unholy, and that music's unholy, those people are unholy, that TV show's unholy, Jesus better not come when you're watching a PG movie because you're not going to heaven. Nah. <laughs> right? And I'm not saying that those were wrong. I'm saying people had a revelation of the holiness of God and they lived it. But one generation's revelation is the next generation's regulation. And if we're not careful, we'll try to make kids into legalists on a revelation they've never had. So a church's responsibility is not to regulate it's, it's to elevate, it's to encourage, it's to, it's to create atmospheres that facilitate experience so that their faith, everybody say their faith, their faith, their experience, it can be solid. I was, I was in, during pre-service prayer today, I'm walking around, there's a little guy named Levi, he's about that big, but he's 23 years old. He, he's, a, he's a hipster 16-month-old, uh, Pastor Ian and Megan's little guy. And he's got on his hat, he's got on his baggy pants, he's got on his little shoes, and, he, and everybody's walking in prayer. And they kind of, I mean, I it takes a village to raise a child, and, and this is his village. So as we're walking around the room praying, at 16 months old, he does what, he puts his hands in his pockets, he looks down, and he starts walking around the room. Now, he's not praying, but what is he doing? He's mimicking, he's in an environment that's been created to facilitate an experience that that boy will have someday with his God. I can't find a better picture in my heart to show you today what it is we're supposed to be doing, what we're responsible for. I don't know if you've been around the church long enough to remember when kids shouldn't run in the hallways and kids shouldn't be so loud and kids shouldn't and kids always in that generation. I tell you what, the church that curses the next generation will be a cursed church in the next generation. But the generation that blesses the next generation will be a blessed church in the next generation. So thank you, Mrs. Paddy. Are you staying warm? I'm concerned about you. I'm going to hold you, yeah. hug you. I need to. So um, the first position we hired here was a youth pastor, Ron and Jennifer Storbo. The second position we hired here was a youth pastor when they went to Planet Church in Seattle. The third position we, we hired here was a youth pastor. Um, children's pastors came along. Nursery directors came along. We, we have put, of uh, uh, the last renovation that we did seven, eight years ago, $2 million went into the renovation of our children's spaces. Far more money than it we went into where you're sitting right now. The money we put into this was to make sure that our children's areas were safe, they were clean, they were excellent, they, they facilitated learning. How many guys, again, I, I don't mean to keep going back in history, but, but how many guys remember the, the basement Sunday school class with a cold metal chair, with a woman with blue hair, with a flannel graph that smelled like mushrooms? How many remember that, that season? Well, and, and, and God bless all those people, because they're all in heaven now. God bless them all, right? But we want to give our kids something that says we actually would, we would rather sacrifice as adults that our kids could have better. We'd rather believe in the next generation so much that we'll compromise, if you will, our own comforts and, and not have pews and not have, we're gonna, we're gonna give you everything we can give you because our children are that important. Um, Freedom Center Church makes our greatest investment in our children because our children are our greatest investment. Like, I, I promise you, you will find out the value of the next generation, whether we serve them or ignore them, And one you'll know and be proud of, and one it'll be too late to change. We have to be a church, guys, hear me, that believes in children and youth and young adults to the place where they feel it, where they know it, where they we facilitate the, the environment, we facilitate the experience so that they can have their faith. God's blessings are to be an inheritance. They're supposed to pass from one generation to the next. And if you think about what happens when we do that properly in Scripture, you'll find people like like, uh, Moses and Joshua. Moses, the older guy, Joshua, the younger guy. Moses was the season, you know, rusty, crusty, prophet, deliverer, whatever. And God says, hey, you're gonna take this promised land, but then Moses blew it. His generation wasn't able to complete the task that God gave them. Aren't you glad that Moses had another generation that he'd mentored? So now God says, Joshua, and Joshua goes, oh, crud. I'm number two. I'm, I'm not supposed to be number one. I'm just, I'm gonna wash his hands. I'm gonna go to war. I'm gonna do what he tells me to do. And God says, it's, it's time for you to, to, to rise up. You're not number two anymore. Your generation now takes the lead. Every generation needs that moment, that old crud moment, where they realize God is calling them now to do what their parents and their grandparents, their great-grandparents did. And Moses had that in Joshua. Elijah, the elder prophet, statesman of Israel, had that in Elisha. Scripture records that the anointing that was on the older man was multiplied in the life of the younger man. It was almost like his faith, instead of being the ceiling, became the shoulders, if you will, that Elijah stood on. If God can do that, then God can do more than that. And he asked for something that Elijah didn't dare ask for. But Elisha, sometimes, how many of you understand, sometimes the younger generation can ask for stuff, the older generation, forgive me, we just don't have the faith to do it anymore. I, and I'm not saying that wasn't great, or we, but sometimes we, we kind of tend to do this with our faith, and then we find that place. We do that with our economy, don't we? We, we find ourselves, hey, we're in the middle class. Hey, I'm not on, on assistance anymore. Hey, I, I, I got the first mansion over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. You know what I mean? And we find ourselves just plateauing. Well, I think faith, we're supposed to grow from faith, come on, to faith. And we're supposed to experience from glory To glory. So we're not supposed to plateau. We're supposed to grow old believing new things and seeing invisible things and believing impossible things. We're supposed to die saying, Oh, that was fun. Instead of saying, Well, that was it. And a generation that sees our generation living by faith and calling them to greatness will live in greatness. So we see in Elijah and Elijah. What about Paul and everyone? Paul had Timothy, and Paul had you know. I mean, literally, most of what Paul was doing while he was in jail was writing young people, churches that were led by people, and he said, "Listen, Tim, don't don't let people look down on you because you're young." We know that Timothy is a younger person, so young in fact that when he appointed him an elder, the elders are kind of like, uh, "We've known Tim since like he was in the nursery, and now he's our elder. He's taller than he used to be, but we don't know that he's smarter." How many of you guys know maturity is not about chronology? It's about experience. It's about, it's about revelation. When we're talking about the body of Christ, there is no Holy Spirit Jr. And there's no younger revelation and older revelation. We learn things as we get older, like, like how to get up off the floor <laughs> by sitting down on the floor next to like chairs and things. But Paul, Paul, I mean, you think about the New Testament books. We've got the Gospel of Mark because he believed in John Mark. We, we've, got, we've got so many, the Philemon and first and second uh, Timothy. This is all Paul saying to the next generation, it's almost time for me to split. And when I do, I want you to entrust what I've taught you to reliable men. I believe in you. You can do this. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. Being young doesn't disqualify you, Tim. Fan in the flame, the spark that's in you through the laying out of my hands. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. What's he doing? He's saying to the next generation, the best is yet to come. And I believe that the best is yet to come. Let's talk about 2020 and our vision, Uh, our 2020 vision, which is just so much fun to say. That's not gonna get old. 2021 is gonna be our 20. 20 vision that we have for 2021, right? So let's talk about this room right here. This is our old auditorium. This was our, our sanctuary in 1986 that became the kids' auditorium when we moved in here 15 years ago, whatever it was. But that's, that's a new and improved. You might notice a couple things that are different about it. We've, it has an airplane theme. You might notice a large fan. That's not to get rid of the smell. Some people have asked. That's not what it is. That's not to get rid of the smell of our children. Um, that there's a, there's a teaching zone on the far end of it. But then look at these little cubbies on the right and on the left. You look at this little drawing over here. You'll see that that they have different areas that are set up so that the third grade girls can be at what feels like a, a family room or dining room table, and the third grade boys can be as far away as possible from your daughters. All the dads said, amen. "Amen, amen." Yeah, right. And the same thing. We got the first grade and. First grade, second grade, second grade, third, all the way through fifth grade. Because what we've learned in the last few years as Pastor Les has been leading the children's department is that the the big room environment is important. But how many guys know you can get smart in a big room, but you can't get wise? You can get healed in a tent crusade, but you can't get whole. You can get saved in a big room, but you won't get discipled in mass. There's something that happens when we put people in smaller rooms. And so in this environment, we're learning that as you put kids of the same gender, of the same age group around a table with a single or double caring adult that's there on a regular basis in their lives saying, "What, what should we be praying about for each other? All of a sudden, the church goes from something I go to to something I am. What do you guys think about the lesson Pastor Les just taught? And they go, I. What I see is this, and, and the adult goes, wow, that's better than what I saw when I heard him. Like, that's, that's incredible. What do you think? Well, I think it's, you know, Martians. Well, let's talk about Martians for a second, because it's a great movie, but I don't, I don't think it's something we should be talking about. You know, it, all of a sudden, there's a caring adult in our child's life, and our children's lives, that are believing in them. What you're doing here is so important. I've taken time out of my life to sit at this table with my friends that all happen to be seven years old. How many guys know, like, that's a ministry position to sit at that table on a regular basis and know those kids by name? To be in that room, and they walk in, Bobby, Cindy, Marsha, 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 good to see you. I, I, give me a hug, I, I can't wait for, I, I want to catch up from that, and then when you worship together, Pastor, let's teach a lesson, and you get around those tables, and you begin to talk life. I don't know if you've ever been with first graders when they give prayer requests, but you'll learn a lot about a family in a real short amount of time. <laughs> and so we're gonna be building this in 2020, facilitating this vision so that our kids are in smaller groups, loved by by caring adults, taught in the large setting, but then really grinding it down. Let's talk a little bit more about our our kids. This is Kids Camp. Uh, Some of the greatest, and I mean like, like Book of Acts type stories we get of what God is doing in people's lives. He's doing in children and youth's lives at camp. I'll give you an example. This last year, there was a girl that was on one of our, our teams and she had been dealing with some self-hatred uh, and mutilation issues. She was cutting herself uh, across her chest where people could see it and on her arms. And so at a youth camp, we're, we're trained and we train people, if it's 100 Brazilian, you know, Brazilian degrees out there and, and they're wearing long sleeves or a jacket or a coat, like. Like, make sure at some point you, you you check on them because they they might be hiding something. And sure enough, this girl had scars all up and down both arms where she'd cut herself. She had scars across her chest which nobody did see, but but until you'll understand why later in the story, that's important. She they were at a, a place in the service. Where they're talking about God's healing power and how God can erase your past and how God can heal your inner wounds and your outer wounds and how God can take you know your your, your sins. And and so as they're as they're coming to this time, of just seeking the Lord at the altar. She's worshiping. She's praising God. She's weeping. God, I love you. God, I'm sorry I've done this to the temple of the Holy Spirit, to my body. I, I just, I forgive me, and God forgave her, and she was just so happy, and as she opened her eyes, the sleeve had come up, and she looked, and she saw no scars, so she unbuttoned her sleeve and looked, and all the scars on her right arm had been completely healed. She unbuttoned her left, all the scars on her left arm had been completely healed. She went to one of the youth sponsors and said, both my arms are healed, told her what she'd been going through. She goes, I have scars in other places that I can't just, you know, do in front of boys at the altar because they'll, they'll need to stay at the altar the rest of the night and not just for what they're here for. So they went into the ladies' room, and she unsnapped or whatever, and she showed, and God had not just removed the scars on the inside of that girl. God had healed the scars on her physical body. Incredible stuff. <laughs> People are getting saved. One of the things I love is when I hear, like, from the camp directors and people like that, they say, Listen, is Freedom Center coming to week one or week two? We, we want Freedom Center Church. Go, Why is that? Is it because your kids don't just come to play games? They come to work in the altars and to pray with them. We need kids like that to, to be an influence on the other kids. Um, one of the things they said is, I love that, that at the night, like, you they don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You know, last call for the Holy Ghost. You know what I mean? They ring the bell. We're going to turn off the lights and we go home. The last kids in the altar are our kids. They, they, just, they just soak it up, and God is doing such beautiful things in their lives. Kids camp, same thing. Kids getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Kids getting called into the mission field. I mean, it's just it's beautiful, crazy, wonderful, book of Acts stuff. And so we're going to send as many kids as we can to camp this year. Somebody say amen. And it's not like camp has this. It isn't. It's just... How many of you guys know you kind of get from God what you expect from God? And when you have the testimony of previous years to add your expectation, you go there with an expectation. When you go there with your friends that aren't saved, you expect they'll be saved. When you go to your friends that need a blessing, you expect they'll be blessed. Friends that that don't know what they're supposed to be when they grow up, there's this chance that they're going to find this moment in their life. And these are for our first graders. This is for our seniors in high school. We've seen it all. So we're going to send as many kids to camp as we can this year. Speaking of camp, we kind of brought camp to us in something called uh, Summer Spectacular, Mega Camp. Uh, You might know it as Vacation Bible School. Uh, Again, back to the basement with the metal chairs and all that kind of stuff and shaving cream and M&Ms or whatever, but... Um, Pastor Les had this idea. We've been building this thing for years. He said, what if, what if we had like a sports camp instead of like a, a vacation Bible school? What if we did a sports camp? Because some parents would send their kids to a sports camp that wouldn't send them to a vacation Bible school. 20% of the students of the kids we had in our, in our sports program this last summer had no zero church affiliation. They came because they wanted their kid to learn how to play soccer because we all know that every kid who plays junior soccer will someday make a living at it. Get a scholarship. They'll just be sore when they're old. That's what it is. That's what it is, right? So, we had basketball and soccer. And for the kids that weren't like, I don't want to be athletic, we did like a Mythbusters thing where they're using solar power and wind power and balloons, chemical reactions where foam's blowing up all over the stage. It was, you know, Brad Dawson's kind of a mad scientist and, uh, and it, was, it was just a lot of fun. So they, they did that, and we had like 130 adult volunteers, and over 300 kids come and be a part of that on the hottest week of the summer. Pastor Carl was standing right over here outside those doors, had some basketball hoops up for the basketball camp. He had fifth grade boys. There's nothing rowdier than fifth grade boys. There's about 21, 23, 25 fifth grade boys. Just split them into three teams. He put up some pylons and said you're going to deliver right hand, left hand, right hand, all the way down back again. It's a relay race, and the first team wins a special prize, and so the team, they all fight for it, and you feel so good for the kids that won, the kids that didn't win, you feel so bad for it. How many guys know that adults want to give every kid a trophy? It's not the kids. The generation doesn't need it. We feel bad as parents and as adults not getting every kid a ribbon for participation. Yeah, so it's our fault. Anyway, just so you know that you're the ones that have screwed up, not them. Anyway, what I'm saying, we messed up, but what I'm saying is the team that won, they're like, yes, we get a special prize. Pastor <laughs> girl goes, okay, this is what you get. You get my affection, each of you will get seven seconds of uninterrupted eye contact. They look at the first kid, and the first kid's like, I don't feel good about this. I don't, I don't know where to look. But the second kid, he goes, okay, get out of the way. Your turn, your turn. And the kid walks up, he goes. <laughs> I and mean, they each got seven seconds of uninterrupted eye contact. and It was so stupid, but it was such a beautiful moment. You know what I'm saying? See, if they're not here learning about Jesus and building relationships, or they're not at camp, they're not, then where are they in today's world? One of the reasons the local church has to be here is to facilitate and help kids experience what it means to be a follower of Christ. And sometimes, I don't know that Jesus played basketball, but I, I, probably not because it would be the skin of a dead animal and he was an Orthodox Jew. I'm just saying, there had to be some game they played, dreidel, 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 or something, you know what I mean? There had to be some, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you get off. But I, you look at how happy these kids are, and they're sweaty, their little cheeks are red, except for the kid in the upper left-hand corner. He looks bummed, but everybody else is so... And we have gang signals going on because they're American kids, and we don't, don't know what it means, but let's talk about our youth group for a moment because, again, uh, I'm the youth pastor, have been for 25 years. I believe in this generation. I got to speak to them in the summer, and I looked at them, I said... I, I look at you differently than any other youth group I've ever spoken to because I recognize that in this room, my successor is listening to what I'm saying. In this room, the deacons are listening to what I'm saying. In this room, marriages that will change the world, children that will change a generation, missionaries that have not yet been called, they're in this room. So for me to stand up here and say, hey, let's have some fun, I, okay, and a uh, big altar call, like I have to talk to you like a generation that's going to be sitting behind my desk with your feet on it. I have to talk to you like I'm gonna hand you something I've worked most of my life for. I'm gonna hand a mantle to you, and I'm gonna back away trusting that your generation will take it where my generation only dreamed. So I'm gonna speak to you tonight as as if you were that generation, because I believe with all my heart that you are. I still believe with all my heart that they are. You look at this. These kids are praying, they're worshiping. Um, Andrew's off on his own over there. I'm not quite sure what he's praying for. He has a special burden for Holly, maybe, and God bless Holly, you know, but look at that, there, there's, a, there's 100% participation, I don't know what they're going after, but there, there's, there's, there's this generation crying out for God to move, for miracles, for signs, for wonders, for breakthroughs in their schools and in their families. When we think about youth group, I don't, I don't know what your vision is. I say youth ministry, what's, what's the, what do you get in your head? I, I would challenge you to lift your expectation of what youth ministry is into something completely different. This is about young people that are hungry for God, that are fasting. We've had a program here called 201, Pastor J.D., is that right? We've had it for how many years, Pastor Jason? They were like, like their homework assignment was sort of like paint buffaloes on caves. That's how long we've had it, right? Like look like scrolls and stuff. And, and this year, they're doing something different. It's not won't be 201, it's something else. This is our last year doing Stop talking, I'm preaching. Daddy's talking, sweetheart, be quiet. <laughs> last year, doing 201. Well, I don't get to do 201? Listen, it's like boot camp and Bible college had a baby. That's 201. I don't get to carry around backpacks full of rocks because I ticked Pastor Jason off because I was three seconds late. I don't, I don't get to memorize 10 verses a day. I don't, I don't get to, listen, what I'm trying to say is this. This generation is not looking for games. They're looking for battles. They're, they're looking for war. They're looking to connect themselves to something more meaningful than the latest political baloney. They're looking to connect themselves to something that eternally matters. And I love that about our youth group. Think about this, guys. When they get out of children's church and youth ministry, they go into this room over here. This is a young couple that's getting ready to get married, Pastor Maddie. I think that's the top of her brown head. She's not real tall. So she's in that because I see Jordan's head Next, and there's something so, but this is a community again of young adults going after God, worshiping Jesus, saying, What's next? Like, like mission trips, like they're praying, Where should we go on, on a mission trip to serve God and to serve people? They've been going to um, Italy on an annual basis, investing in the church in Rome, is investing in 70 some different nations. They, they, they sponsor their own missionaries in that group. They, they, they give in that group. They serve in that group. But one of the things I love is when they, uh, Pastor Ian said, here's some pictures to kind of show people what we do. The, the, the hardest thing I had was picking that one picture because every picture was, was them talking to each other with nobody left out, serving with, with nobody standing around doing nothing, giving, um, involved. Like, how many of you guys know that young adults, like the concrete's been poured. It can still be moved, but the concrete's poured. Like, like teachers, coaches, mentors, tormentors, they've done their work. And if they don't know who they are and they walk into some sociology professor's class, and if you're a sociology professor, please forgive me. I'm just telling you the truth and you should do something else for a living. But, I, but forgive me if this offends you in any way. But like, literally, they'll just talk about My job is to tear down all faith and then to build it back up again into whatever they want it to be. Well, maybe it is. But, but man, I tell you what, I am so glad that these kids are loving Jesus together. They're changing the world. I, I don't wonder where any of those people are on Friday night. I don't wonder who I have to visit in jail. I don't wonder who's shaming their daddy or breaking their mama's heart. When I see that, I see the future of Freedom Center Church, and I feel really good when I go to sleep at night knowing our kids, our students, our young adults love Jesus. I love that. They're getting ready to get married, so what do they do as a community? They just say, well, let's, let's pray for them because that's what they do. That's where their faith is. That's who they are. They're getting ready to get married. Well, let's just bless them. Let's just pray over them. Uh, two more things. You got time for two more things? Oh yeah, it's time for two more things. Let me see your hand. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Good. Love our visitors. They're always here. This is Freedom Center Academy, or FCA. FCA is split into two pieces: Freedom Center Ministry Academy and Freedom Center Creative Academy. Sarah's happier than everybody else in that picture. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe because she's touching Brett's belly. I don't know. I, I get happy <laughs> when I touch Brett's belly. It makes me happy too. But these are students that have taken time out of college, out of work, to dedicate to either developing their ministry abilities. And from them, we have pastors. We have full-time missionaries. We have youth pastors on different staffs. We have uh, an incredible legacy of people that have studied for ministry that are now in ministry. And on this side, we have kids that say, I have a computer. I don't know how to use it. I have a camera. I have a guitar. I have giftings, but I need a place to develop them so I can use them for the kingdom of God. And so up there right now, we've got 13 students. We've got five mentors, And it's brilliant. I promise you that some of the greatest things the church will ever do, not what we've done, will ever do, the people that will do them are up right on that screen right now. The sermons I don't know how to preach, they're gonna preach. The songs that have not been written, they're gonna write. The technologies that I don't know how to use and I am not going to try because technology hates me. My Apple TV disconnected last night. You know how long it takes for a guy my age to figure out to plug it back in? Why was this section laughing louder than the rest of the, the room? <laughs> Old guy. Right? We used to send these kids away so they could get tens of thousands of dollars in debt and now we keep them here and we train them up debt-free and we send them out all over the place. Churches are coming to us saying, I need a youth pastor. Do you know anybody? And the hard part is we love them and we've invested in them. But how many of you guys know if you love something, set it free? If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, hunt it down and kill it. Amen. Amen. So- Last one is this. Um, We're just calling it Make a Difference. Today's a good example of that because in 2020, we realized there's gonna be tragedies that we won't see ahead of time. Um, Several years ago, just sitting in my house, waking up, drinking coffee, turn on the TV set to find out that a place that I love, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and the people there, many, many friends, many relationships, and 250,000 of them died since I went to sleep the night before. No one saw that coming. No one could say, you know what, when the earthquake hits in Haiti and now they're fighting disease and Legionnaire's disease and cholera and contaminated water and recovery efforts, and I, we need to be ready to move. We, we didn't have that mindset, and so we had to say, what can we do? How can we help? It took weeks to figure out what we could do and who we could trust. Um, I, I just say this, 2020, how many you guys know something's going to happen in 2020? We don't know what it is, but we should be prepared for the tragedies of our earth. There's another thing that's gonna happen in 2020 that we can't see right now, and that's opportunities. There's gonna be this, this empty building that someone wants to give to us for free. And if we just had a, someone that was ready to be the youth pastor there and someone there to speak and lead and someone there to open the doors and remove the snow and mow the grass and someone and someone and so on. Like we could have planted a church easily in that community, but it, it came on us and said, do you want it? Do you want it? It needs a roof. It needs $10,000. You gotta have this. And we'd be like, uh, give us some time. By the time we even had the time to get together to talk about it, it was sold and it's now a wedding chapel. So we realized that in 2020, there's gonna be opportunities and there's gonna be tragedies. And so we are as a team preparing for both of those. Um, we talk about vision we want to make sure that there will always be what, what Malachi calls meat like, like food in the house of God so that when the hungry would come to the temple during a time of famine they'd say it's their meat when, when someone had a tragedy happen in their life and they couldn't feed their own family they could come to the Levites and say we're, we're poor we're indigent I'm a, I'm a widow I'm, I'm young my, my husband died and I have nothing we have no children what do I do and the priest would then there would be meat in the house of God to share we want to make sure that our church is prepared with meat when tragedies and opportunities come our way in 2020. So we're going to talk more about that in the days to come. And these are just a a handful of the huge, wonderful, cool things we're doing talking about the next generation. I don't have time, but I wish we could talk about marriages right now because our marriage ministries and what we want to do there. We already talked about our our single parent and single mom ministries. We talked about global. We talked about, but I I just, as we kind of wrap this up, I want you to just remember this. I don't think we're responsible for everything. Somebody say amen. The, the great commission is to go into all the world. How many of you guys know that if I said, okay, uh, so you, you're gonna go to all the world. listen to know how that goes. He'd be overwhelmed and feel defeated. But how many of guys know that if you hear the voice of God say, your part of all the world is feeding a million kids in Haiti? Well, we can dig into that and do our part in going into all the world, does that make sense? It, planting new churches we talked about last week, revitalizing, sending out revitalization teams. I called them revite teams until Pastor Carl said that's just the most uncool thing to call them. We have to name them something different. So yee-haw gangsta teams. I, I, don't, I, wait. I don't know. I'm trying to be Pastor Carl, but it didn't work. The Philadelphia Phillies church planting team, I don't know what it is. The Eagles, let's call them The Eagles. <laughs> They're at home watching TV today. But I, I, think, I think that uh, somebody got that. Thank you. A football player. I was like, I don't, I don't, I like birds, but I don't get his jokes. For us to say the whole world is our responsibility, we would leave this room feeling very defeated. So, what we're talking about is not everything. We're talking about the things that we believe with all of our heart are assignments. We're accountable to do it's our homework, it's our father son project, it's our daddy daughter dance. It's Freedom Center's vision for the future and our role in doing what we believe God has called us to believe in, to do what God's called us to do. And so I, I almost, I'm almost sad that the time of talking about it now is over with. The only thing that really encourages me is that it's time to stop talking about it because it's time to start doing it. And so here we go, 2020. Somebody should have a confetti cannon right now. It should drop from the sky. We have a giant crystal ball on Dick Clark and the young people are like, I don't even know who Dick Clark is. Let me pray for you guys. Father, I I thank you for the assignment. When you said go into all the world and make disciples, you were talking to 12 fishermen. (laughs) You were talking to zealots and tax collectors and people who were family that knew each other so well. It must have been hard to believe that when you called them to reach a planet that they thought was flat, that they thought was only the, in Asia, they had no idea what you called them to do. I guess we have a little bit more of an idea than they did. But you gave them a grace to begin something, to take their place, to fulfill their role. You gave each of them an assignment, and Thomas went to India and was executed for his faith. And John was boiled in oil and exiled to the, the island of Patmos. And Peter was crucified upside down in Asia Minor, and... and Paul got his head cut off in Rome. And yeah, I, don't, I don't think any of us have a terminal assignment, but no less is it worthy of giving our lives to. Like, I want to live for something. I don't want to die for something. And I know every man in this room, at least the men, I, I don't know how a woman's soul works, but at least the men, that we know this. We we're created to do more than sit and behave ourselves. There is a dangerous, faith filled adventure that awaits the souls of every man, every woman and every child that's a part of this church. So God, we give it to you. We start by bathing it in prayer. Come on, church, pray with me over these things. Whatever God puts on your heart now, if it's feeding kids or planting churches, if it's marriages, if it's children's ministry, the nursery, whatever it is, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just cry out the things that are on our hearts today. We pray. Father, that all these things and more, exceedingly and abundantly above all the things we've asked, all the things we've thought, all the things we've talked about in the last few weeks, all the things we've imagined or hoped for, God, we pray that exceedingly and abundantly things, if you taught us anything in 2019, is that you do exceedingly and abundantly above all we've asked, all we thought, and all we imagined. There's a wave that's moving into this, this next decade, God, that I believe will propel us. Let the wave move us. Let the wave do most of the work, God, but help us to stay balanced and on top of those things. We just move with your Holy Spirit into these areas for which we've been called. And we dedicate ourselves. We dedicate ourselves. If it's a meal for a kid, we dedicate ourselves. If it's sitting at a table with third grade boys or girls, we dedicate ourselves. Being a part of a group, if it's leading something, if it's serving somewhere, if it's cleaning up something, after it's done, God, we dedicate ourselves to be to be your witnesses in this world, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. About two minutes from now, the service will be dismissed. But I I never, I just never want to dismiss another service without this moment right here. If you came today to hear about the future of the church, then you're not disappointed because we heard about it. But if you came here today because you just felt that tug on your heart, like I'm... I'm not right with God, and I don't know how to get right with God. So I came to a church hoping that someone would say something to me that would make sense. And so far, Jim, I'm I'm excited about your church, man, but I I didn't come here for that. I came here to find God, and I haven't yet. In the last 75 seconds of the service, let me just say to you this. I don't think it's any accident that you're here right now. You're watching online. You're watching online a year from now. I don't think it's any accident that we're here together right now. I think God is an amazing chess player, and he's moved all the pieces around you and through you and circumstances to bring you to this place of hearing, this place of knowing right now. God himself has called you to these next 45 seconds. When God looked around at forever, he gazed into eternity, and he saw that you weren't there. It was a heartbreaking thing. It was a revelation that startled even a holy God. He didn't make you to judge you. He didn't make you to distance you. He made you to know you and to be known by you. It was for fellowship. It was for relationship that you were created. But sin has a way of dividing marriages and dividing friendships and dividing families and partnerships. And certainly sin has a way of dividing your heart from God's heart. And so God, in his great love, sent his son to live, to face every temptation that defeated you, that defeated me, and to defeat it. When he was tempted to lie, he didn't. He told the truth, even though it cost him. When he was tempted to steal, he didn't, even though he was hungry. When he was tempted to lust, he, he looked at every woman as his sister, even as his daughter many times. With absolute holiness, absolute purity, every place that we have stumbled and fallen, Jesus succeeded. And then Jesus is crucified as if he were a sacrifice for the sins of all mankind. Because he'd beaten everything that beat us, he's now qualified to take the punishment off of us. Does that make sense? He's able to pay a bill that we ran up that we can't pay. And when Jesus dies on the cross, his final words are, it is finished. The phrase in Aramaic is tatalestai, and what it literally means is paid in full. Everything I did that separated my heart from God's heart has been paid for. And the love of God can now come through Jesus, his son, to my heart. And I can receive mercy. I can receive healing. I can receive deliverance from addiction. I can, I can, everything heaven has. Jesus taught us to pray, everything that's in your kingdom in heaven, let it come to earth. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. If you're here today and you know about him, but you don't know him, then the last couple minutes have been all for you and all about you. Believers in this room have been praying the whole time I've been talking, God, wherever he is, wherever she is right now, arrest their heart, love them so well that they would not deny you and walk out of this room today in the same condition they walked in. It's it's completely unnecessary. So today, today, heads bowed, eyes closed, you're hearing like, Jim, I'm not right with God, but I'm gonna be. I'm not right with God, but today I, I wanna be. Today, I receive the mercy of God in my life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up right now, all over this room. Thank you. I love this part. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Would you just simply say a prayer with me? If you repeat the syllables that I say, I'm not sure if it does you any good, but if my heart's words echo your heart's words, then I believe that, This is important enough to do right now with everybody. So everybody in this room right now, say this with me. Say this with me. Jesus, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I believe that your love, your life, your death, and your resurrection paid it all, and I receive all of you. And I give to you all of me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Teach me your word. Show me your face. And I'll see you soon. Amen. Would you stand your feet, please, all over this room? Altar workers are gonna be moving forward right now. Said, so, Jim, I didn't come here for that, and I didn't come here for the next year. I, I came here for was I have a, a different need, a different problem or issue in my life like we believe that God answers prayer we don't believe in the power of prayer we believe in the power of the one who answers our prayers that make sense it's not like positive mental imagery it's not we, we just tell God our needs we let people that that are not in our circumstances or maybe have been that have a testimony have a greater faith than ours to, to just lift up our needs many times we've seen beautiful things happen in marriages and in lives and in bodies and in situations and circumstances so if there's a need yet unmet you can walk out the door with it or you can bring it to the altar and have some pretty great people pray for you this morning. In the meantime, God bless you. Live long, prosper, go get your kids. If you're a guest, love to see you back there in the guest room just to hang out and talk a little bit. We had a chance to meet. God bless you for braving Snowmageddon part two. And uh, last week and this week, we'll talk to you again.